But until you mourn that dream and embrace that new, you're always going to be sad because you're always thinking about, oh, this dream that I have, I'm not realizing. Not knowing that there is a new dream that you have to embrace. I see the walls before me, I feel the cages forming. Seems like the world is falling, but I keep my head off the ground. I see the world before me, I know what change is coming. I hear the world is calling, so I keep my head off the ground. We break into everything. We break into everything. Hello and welcome to the Barrier Breakers Corner, where we shift mindsets around various topics such as family, finance, relationships, dreams and visions, and most importantly, opportunities and how to walk into them. We want to annihilate the assumption that we cannot break barriers. Let me tell you this today. There is more on the other side of you breaking that barrier that you would never know unless you do. We break into Welcome to the Barry Baker's Corner, where we step out on faith and defy the odds. I am your host, Joyce Donkor. Today, we have a special guest here. Since season three is about parenting, motherhood, and fatherhood, and every kind of hood. We are kind of talking about family here, and I just wanted us to expand and dive into different topics. So we have an amazing lady. She's a doctor. She's doing amazingly well. I don't want to even say so much to introduce herself. So her name is Dr. Genevieve. Kind of please introduce yourself. Thank you so much for the invitation and opportunity to be a part of this program. It's so awesome what God is allowing you to do. My name is Dr. Genevieve Kumaplay. And I'm a proud parent of three amazing individuals, three unique gifts that God has given me. I have a 22-year-old who's graduating this year, actually in two weeks, by a medical engineering degree wow. with honors from New Jersey Institute of Technology. I have a awesome, wonderful young man, Nicholas, who God has gifted. He's going to start his own company, Nick's Hope Foundation. Nick's is one of the reasons why I'm on this program today. Nick was diagnosed with autism, but autism doesn't define him because he defines it. And lastly, my third, my baby, <laughs> Delali, who is 16 years old, she's my Valentine's baby. She was born on Valentine's Day, the gift of love. And so she is a sophomore in high school with an aspiration of becoming a computer scientist, doing user experience, and is on her way to doing great work for the advancement of the kingdom. So I'm married. 24 years. So my sweetheart, Robert, we're incredibly blessed to have walked this journey and continue to walk it with the challenges and the joys and the valleys and mountains of marriage and continuing to do that. So that's the joy of being here today. Amazing. What's one of the most cherished moments as a mother for you that you've come across along this journey? I think the most cherished moment is really seeing my children find their purpose. Seeing Senna identified that biomedical engineering is what she wants to do and living in it and thriving in it mm-hmm. is such a joy. And she's being who she is. And I have this joy knowing that she's going to be fine yeah. because she's doing what she loves to do. Delali is recently discovered that she loved computer science. She was introduced to it when she was 11. She's 16 now. And she's breaking barriers by hitting and going and applying to programs. Last year, she did. Microsoft chief technology officer actually even acknowledged her on LinkedIn. This young girl, I mean, it's amazing stuff that she's doing. And so she's connecting to her purpose. She has her own website design company. I mean, she's doing these things now. I love seeing my mentees connecting to their purpose. I think the best way to describe it is really seeing people experience what God created them to be and doing it joyful. That's great. I'm even getting goosebumps here and all of that. And probably talk more on that because we have some parents that they are like, you have to be this or you have to be that or you have to do this. Talk more on the fact that it's important to allow your kids to be who they want to be. I think the role of a parent is to be a guide and a coach. We have the precious Holy Spirit who allows us to make mistakes and who allows us to make choices. And that's the beauty of what God gives us will. God's will is that we will adhere to his perfect will. 
but he also gives us an opportunity, his permissive will to make decisions. The key thing is that we are now guided in that process. So I emulate what the Holy Spirit does, which is let me expose you to what the truth of life is. And then let me allow you to make those choices, being there to guide you through that process. So in life, I've been guided. And then when I heard these three words, and we actually are starting a program called the AAA Institute. And the whole idea here is that we need to expose people to things that they've never been exposed to. We need to help them be educated about it and we need them to be able to experience it. That is the beauty of life. The beauty of life as a parent is really instructing my children by exposing them to different things. I always leverage, take your child to work day. And with that programming, I said, you know what? Let me just help them to be exposed to the different things that they could be exposed to. And then realizing the things they are passionate about and highlighting it to them. So sometimes people don't even realize they're good at something unless somebody says, hey, do you know that's really awesome? And they're going to be like, really? It is? And then you help them to see how they can cultivate and grow through that. For me, that is how you help a child to do the things they're passionate about. Rather than trying to outfit, some parents want their children to live out their dreams. That's not the way to go. If they're not passionate about it, they're not going to do it. Help them to be the best of what God has created them to be by helping them to identify what that is. I feel like few parents or a lot of parents right now would have some regrets because they never allowed their kids to be who they want to be. And so some of them are lost, like, I wish I had gone this way. I wish I could do that. And now it's like, it's so hard. I know a couple of people that they could have been in better places by now, but the choices their parents made. Telling your kid that if you don't do this, I'm not paying your fees for you. It's really, really sad that some parents, but I don't know, maybe there was no exposure then. They didn't know. So they wanted to do their best, what they felt was best. And I remember when I was younger, my dad, he wanted to be a CPA kind of person. I'm like, I like finance, but I don't want to go in that area. And getting all kinds of people coming to talk to me, like, you have to do what the market has for you. This is where the market is right now. But 10 years, 20 years down the line, maybe that's not where the market is going to be. But it's so important that parents try to guide their kids in that direction of what they want to be so that at the end of the day, they love what they're doing. Let them enjoy it. At the end of the day, it's going to be like, I love what I'm doing. I'm grateful for the path that you directed me on. I mean, I've heard stories where the kids have to do what their parents asked them to do and came back, gave the certificate to their parents and said, here is the certificate. Now I get to go do what I want. Waste of money. <laughs> right? Well, I think it's crucial that even as a parent, you're knowledgeable about what your kids are going into. Yeah. So to say go into a be a CPA, how much does that parent know about what CPAs do? Have you sat with a CPA? Have you shadowed a CPA? Have you seen their work? It sounds glamorous, but do you really know that if your kid has the bend to do that type of work? So that's important. So what I find is important is for the parents to get educated about these different emerging professions. And once you're educated and you go to it together with your child, then you can better support them. And that's really, really important. So how has motherhood evolved for you? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm so blessed that I started that walk early in life. My daughter was born when I was 25 years old. And by today's standard, that's quite early. Yeah. <laughs> Back then, it was okay. So now that I'm in getting close to 50, she's out there doing her thing. I could be hanging out with her and I'm able to do fun stuff with her. The best part of motherhood and how it's evolved is learning to allow my children to have their own voice. In the beginning, I think with my older one, being of an African descent, I only started to do the things my parents did with me, which is mm -hmm. try to tell them what to do and be what I tell them to be. I've evolved from the standpoint of having conversations engaging them, helping them, asking them what your thoughts on something is. I'm getting ready to make a decision about something. I engage my kids. That was not something that I would have done maybe 15 years ago. Yeah. But I realized that they have their own unique experiences. They have something valuable to advise me on. Ultimately, I make the decision based on what God guides me. But I've come to realize my children are important. And in their stages of life, I need to honor who they are, and what gifts they bring to the family. That's how I have evolved. Right. I like that part that you said, you allow your kids to have their voice because <laughs> some families, you don't even have a voice. It's like, even when you try to tell your parents something, it's like, no, I do it my own way. <laughs> 
It's so funny how a few days ago, my dad, he's supposed to have a podcast with me and my sisters. And <laughs> we've planned this with him. He knows us already. And then he goes, oh, we have to change it. We have to do that. He's there. He's at home. We all decided this already. So how come? Why are you changing it? And I'm like, oh my God. I said to my sisters, your dad likes to bluff a lot. Like, what's going on? But then, I mean, he may have been tired or anything. It's a product of his time too. I mean, you got to understand that with each generation, there are ways that we do things and how we do things. Right. And so for them, it's like, I get to change my mind. You, you know, you guys come along with it, right? <laughs> I'm sure my kids think I'm old school in some way. The other day, I found some music online and somebody say, hey, there was a couple that was dancing to this music called Generation X. And you're pulling all the stuff back then. And I thought it was hysterical. I'm showing it to my kids and they're looking at me like, uh, so? <laughs> and I'm like, you need to understand my generation and the things that gets us excited. So in the same way, you got to understand your dad and his generation and what they connect with is completely unconnectional to you. And it's actually interesting because my kids will love when they hear this story. I keep telling everybody out there, Generation X parents, listen, when you text, you're not supposed to capitalize. You're not supposed to use periods. You're not supposed to use exclamation mark. I think it's part of what we do, but apparently there is a language in texting that we just didn't learn it. So, right? Am I correct, Joyce? Isn't that the truth here I'm talking about? <laughs> my kids have been trying to correct my texting abilities. It hasn't worked. Wow. I punctuate. I use exclamation mark. I use facial expressions that I'm not supposed to use. And they laugh. You're laughing because I'm telling you some parents out there listening to me right now. Please go ask your children. They will tell you. You have not been communicating effectively in your texting. Yeah. <laughs> Why all of this? Like... Can you just do a simple text? Come on, like, it's just me. No, but so let me correct you, generation that are behind us. You're supposed to use punctuation when you write English. Yeah. I know the medium is texting, mm -hmm. but that's how we communicate. So don't try to change us. I know, I know. Because we can't change. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been having this dialogue, but I, at least not that I'm aware of what it is. I'm more conscious. And I just want to pass a simple message and not get them anxious. Because apparently when I was punctuating, it was creating anxiety for them. Because I'll say, oh, see you home later. And I put dot, dot, dot. <laughs> apparently dot, dot, dot means it's like a communication. I didn't know that. I just like to use extra dots. Exactly. But it was not supposed to be that. <laughs> I remember texting a boss, a manager before. And when I'll send them the text and I'm abbreviating everything, LOL and all of that. And then he respond back by saying, like, changing what I sent to him. And I was like, oh, I get it. So now when I'm sending him a message, I have to send it appropriately. I'm like, okay, correct. Right. When I email, it's different. It's official. But then when I send the text, it's like, no, change it. I was like, okay, cool, cool. So I have to learn it the hard way. <laughs> Absolutely. We, in our world, we just think texting and emailing follows the same rules. And then I came to learn quickly that it does not for your generation. So these are the things that we're learning. And it was fun because my kids can honestly tell me these things. We can have that dialogue. We can laugh about it. And so I can honestly boast that I have an amazing relationship with my children because of that. And that's really good because it helps. And I always say this to myself when I'm having conversations, even with myself and with my friends, I say that I want to have a better relationship with my kids. I want to better communicate with them. I want to be involved in everything, you know, not be so busy doing so much work out there. And then they are just home, bored, nothing to do. I just want to be so involved in their lives because it's so important. It helps. Look at you now. You're able to do stuff with your older daughter, like with your kids anyway, and do so many things with them. But then if you became so busy and not paying attention to them, there will not be that communication. You will not even be having this kind of jokes. It will just be like, hey, do this. And no one would want to come near you. So Absolutely. it's so important that you have that relation. That's really good. What do you know now that you wish you had known earlier as a mom? So I have been blessed that I had supporters in terms of friendships who were able to point some things out to me. What I know now is not to be so harsh. And they helped to point out those things to me that I, by nature, very straightforward to the point, no time to be going around in corners. But now I've learned that it's important to really consider each child and how they receive their information and not come straight at them. So with my older, she's more sensitive. And I used to be more harsher with her, you know, do this. Why can't you do that? All the things we're just talking about now. Why can't you do that? 
But now I know better that you have to take each child and how their personality is and make sure that you communicate with them in that way or you relate to them in that way. I also learned recently about the five love languages that they have it for teens and kids. So we use it and apply it in marriage, but it really speaks to how kids also receive and connect and receive love and give love. So learning children's love language helped me to not realize that, ah, that is the way that I need to communicate with this one, to express my love for this one. That's the way I need to relate to them. So then it's really, really important. I never knew that. That's new to me. Yeah. Just check it out. Gary Chapman has something on that. And I think that it helps us to know that, wow, my child loves acts of service. She'll rather me show up for her programs or quality time while the other one likes receiving gifts. And what I learned is that that's what motivates her. Punishment does not motivate her to do better, but her love language is receiving gifts. And it's not about how much gift, how much it costs. It's just coming home and saying, hey, I thought about you on my way home. And here is a little something that I brought for you. Oh, there was a chocolate. That is motivational. And that makes her want to do more. So I've learned that understanding your child's love language allows you to express it in a way that will best motivate them and let them know how much they are loved. I've learned something new today which I will definitely use for my kids. That's really awesome. Can they use that at work too? <laughs> Absolutely. You use it at work with your employees. Find out what motivates them. And that's what you do. That's how you express their love. For some employees, you're acknowledging them and say, wow, great job. For some of them, be you leave them a note. For some of them, you showing up early for their team meetings, being present. Each person has a different love language. So learn it and then express it. So your middle child is a special needs child. He has autism. Did you notice that very early? So he was diagnosed with autism and a diagnosis is just that, it's a label based on where presentation, how that individual relates to their community, how they relate to people, how they express themselves. And so he was neurotypical, meaning that he was developing normal from a standpoint of meeting his milestones. And then at 18 months is when we started noticing that he was regressing. And then by two and a half, we really noticed that he has lost language. So he has what we call a regressive form of autism. And that meant that his verbal communication was gone. Communication in terms of language would be both expressive what we say and receptive in terms of what we hear and understand. We noticed that he lost both. So when you call him, he will no longer turn. He will no longer understand who he was. He won't turn to his name any longer. And then he also then lost the verbal ability. Once we started interventions is when we started noticing the receptive language coming back, understanding that what it is, but it's been a journey. We still don't have the verbal communication, but we have that complete receptive language. Sometimes there are some delays in terms of him connecting to what you're saying, but most of the time he understands that. So for us, we've learned the importance of realizing that he needs extra support in order to be able to function as other people would. And in life, we all are at different stages of needing support. When you're younger, your parents may need to spend a special time with you, even when you have children, right? Yeah. Some children, you don't even need to sit down and do homework with them. They can do the homework by themselves. Some children, you need to get a tutor from them because no matter what you do, they need time to process. So for us, what we learned with the autism journey is that Nicholas needs extra supports. And so we say he has special needs or he may have special health care needs. And so that requires us to now provide more support for him. So how did you feel the first time that you noticed? Well, we knew something was wrong when I realized that he was no longer verbalized and I didn't take it as serious as I should have. And now when I look back, I realized that that was a mistake in that because we're in a culture where people say, oh, you know, your child is talking late or my child talked late or. So there's always a dismissive component to it. But I tell parents that and what that's what I came to learn is that if your child is no longer talking, or your child has lost language or development slower, mm -hmm. bring attention to it right away. Don't wait and say it will get better. No, it means that there's an immediacy to that. And the earlier we intervene, the better they can catch up or even gain the skills that they've lost. So of course, I'm sad that he's not at the height of what quote unquote society deems as what each child should do or attain. It's meant also changing our lifestyle completely the way we travel, the way we engage with everybody else is different. So we've had to adapt. I say the child that I had on 2001, June 8, I have to mourn that child. I had to mourn that trajectory of what that person was. And then I had to embrace the new person 
that now God is allowing me to walk in. So whenever I do these talks and I talk about the special needs space, I always tell parents that they have to mourn that dream that they have for that child when they first had them and they were in their hands and they thought this child is going to grow a certain way. And then at some point, you now realize that now you have to give birth to this new other child who now requires more services and supports in order to really meet that purpose that God has created them for. But until you mourn that dream and embrace that new, you're always going to be sad because you're always thinking about, oh, this dream that I have, I'm not realizing, not knowing that there is a new dream that you have to embrace. And so what made you not staying in that place of mourning and then getting up and just saying, hey, I need to push through. I need to go forward. I need to take another step forward, especially with the way you're doing with your organization right now and giving advice and here and there being of help. What made you not sit, but rather, hey, I need to get up and do something about this? It's been a journey. So it didn't happen overnight. I remember when Nicholas was two and a half, the word that God gave me was Jeremiah 29, verse 11. In a place of mourning, in a place of sadness, in a place of what's going on and not understanding, the Lord said, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not for harm, for a future full of hope. Now, 17 years later, I look back and I'm like, wow, God, what an amazing dream. What an amazing future that you did have for me. And so it was faith in my Lord Jesus Christ that has really brought me here. And knowing that he gave up his privileges, he gave up the greatest Part of his life in heaven and gave that up and took on a new meaning and came down on earth and died for my sin and died for me. And because of that, I have eternal life. He gave up his privileges and made himself nothing, took up the shame. So if Jesus can do that for me, how could I not even begin to say, God, your plans for me are good. I'm not going to allow what the enemy meant for bad to stay to keep me down, but I'm going to now leverage and utilize this same negativity and turn into something good. So I follow what Jesus did as a model. And then I use that as a means to propel and push through because if the plans he has for us is good and it is, Mm -hmm. it is for a future full of hope. Is it easy? Not at all because when you have to pick up your cross and carry it daily, it is not easy, but he has given us a helper called the Holy Spirit. So I know I am making this into a component, but in terms of religializing it, if you will call it that. But the core here is people need to connect to that thing that enables them to pass through the season of mourning and enter into the season of joy again. Because we are all going to face one challenge or the other. But for me, maybe have been a special needs child. But for somebody, maybe a parent who develops Alzheimer's. Or it could be a car accident. Or it could be losing a family to COVID. It could be something that causes you to be in a place of pain, in a place of disappointment. Then all of a sudden you said, okay, well, if the Lord can go through this thing and come out on the other side three days later, I will also endure the sadness and come into the other side. When I went through that morning, that's why I had to describe it as morning. I came through that side and now I'm on the opposite side. I look at my son with his healthcare needs and I'm like, praise Jesus because of him. I am doing and fulfilling the purpose that God brought me on this earth for. And you just touched on something I always say on Barabika's Corner. Two things here. So when you're breaking barriers, it's going to cost you. You have a breakthrough, but you might be limping. You might have a breakthrough, but you might be hurt. And I try to remember Jacob when he was wrestling with God and he said, I'll not leave you until you bless me. So God blessed him eventually. He broke through eventually, but he was limping at the end of the day. And so in breaking barriers, it's not just jumping from one side and then going to the other side. Breaking involved, there's pain involved, there's hurt involved. And so you have to know what that is and just go through it. And you're going to get stronger like Jesus going to the cross. He had to carry that cross, like he said and keep moving on. And on the third day, he was down that cross. He had peace. He was whole. Then he was able to show us more stuff. And now that you have come to that point, even though you're still on that journey, but you have become a light to other people. And the second thing I was going to say is that if you don't take that step of faith, if you are not obedient to what God is telling you to do, there's a whole generation that is going to miss a blessing. There's a whole generation that's going to lose that thing that you're supposed to be a light to for them. 
And so you stepping out on faith and doing what God asked you to do, he said, for the plans that I have for you are of good and not of evil. And so you being a light, you have come to show other people because back home in Africa or some people, I don't know whether it exists here, but they have this mentality that if their child has a special need, oh, somebody has done something to them. Oh, somebody has carried their name somewhere or buried them somewhere. Something happened somewhere. And that's why this child is like this. But they don't understand that this is something that has started going on. There was a regression somewhere in their child or something must have come up and they don't understand. They just say maybe one marabou or they took them. And then they start going into different things and allowing the kids to go through so many things like spiritual, like bathing in water or putting something things and your food and so many things. And it's so crazy, but I'm so grateful to God that you are able to do that because now you're becoming a light to other people to under, let them know that it is no marabou. It is no juju. It is no fetish priest. It's nothing. It's this child that is just different. And this is what has happened. This is who they are now. And so you need to be able to process and love them still as they are and just let other people know because other people too will not understand. And we need that light, especially in Africa. We need that understanding so that people will know that this person is really different. He's a child. He's just different and he has to be treated differently. So I'm so grateful for what you're doing. I watched the video yesterday and I was so emotional. I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing what he's been able to do. Like this package that you guys had on the video and being able to put them together. That's amazing. I mean, some other people do not even have that opportunity to even sit and be able to know that, oh, there's a toothbrush missing somewhere. Can I go and find it? And being able to find that. And so how did you come to that place for Nicholas? So to kind of roll it back a little bit, when Nicholas was about five years old, that's really when the breakthrough started to come. I connected to parents who were beginning to do certain things with him, with their kids that rather, and basically using understanding that the role of something is going on in the body that is contributing to his behaviors. And we determined at that time that he was sensitive to gluten-containing foods and milk-containing, dairy-containing foods. I have often described this thing that the autism spectrum disorder is both a body, mind, and spiritual component. There's three parts to it. We're tripartite. We're body, soul, and spirit. This is also body, soul, and spirit. So most of the time, people focus on a spiritual aspect and miss the fact that there's something happening in the mind and something happening to the body. Sometimes people focus on the mental aspect and say, okay, this child has an intellectual issue. And then miss the fact that there's a spiritual aspect to them, their soul, and then also the body part. And then the people who focus on the body part and missing that part. This is the part that I teach and I describe. Diseases are all a work of the devil. And that's why Jesus went on a cross for. He said he has healed us. He went down to the grave and then he delivered them. So we know that there's that spiritual aspect of it. And I think that's what people focus on. We also know that in this particular disease, the children's brain are starving of food and nutrients, particularly, and that there is a neurological connections that are not being made. So even though people think of it as a psychological issue, it's a neurological issue that's manifesting as a psychological issue. So you need to understand that. And that's why a third of these individuals have seizures and seizure is a neurological issue. So this is a neurobiological disorder that is causing and presenting as a psychological issue and presenting as a spiritual issue. So understanding that that piece of it and then knowing that the reason why the behaviors of the brain is occurring is because the body is going through some trauma, specifically in the gastrointestinal system. A lot of them have what we call leaky gut syndrome. A number of them are eating foods and they're processing it and it's releasing chemicals into the brain that causes the child to be hyperactive. So if you ever give a child a food and you notice that afterwards they're behaving a certain way, you got to go back and say, wait a minute, was that child drinking a lot of soda? And that's why they are hyperactive. In a lot of our kids with an autism spectrum, they tend to be sensitive. So Nicholas, back forward, back to that time, we quickly realized that if we change his diet, he was not beginning to behave and walk and interact appropriately. And because of that, we went on the gluten-free. So we've been on gluten-free before people even knew what gluten-free was. And from a medical standpoint, we realized that he was going through a lot. It could be a medical talk that we'll do another day, but <laughs> yeah. we determined that he's seen a lot of different specialists and able to determine that what was happening was his body was going through a lot. Once we had began to address it, he started to not make gains, but we lost time. Because of that, if you're, there's a season where a child is not in school for a period of time, they're not going to have the gains that they need. So he needed a time. So because of that, he's on a different trajectory as from the rest of his peers. 
which means that he's not going to do the college thing like everybody else will. So rather than us as parents sitting here saying, oh my God, he's not going to go to college like everybody else is, what should we do? We decided that, you know what, Nicholas could be an entrepreneur. In the video you're alluding to, we call it the Nick's Hope Initiative. Nick's Hope, H-O-P-E. H means holding on to possibilities every day. That is our hope for Nicholas. And that's the foundation we decided we'll establish. And the goal here is that Nicholas will be able to work with other team members who may be in a similar boat that he is, pull things together, put a kit together, and offer it to people who are everyday people that may have lost their home, may have lost their ability to even buy the basic necessity of a toothbrush. Adam have a job on his own, a work he can look forward to, so then he has a purpose in life. Yeah. And that purpose is to be, bring meaning to somebody else who may be struggling in life. And that was the Next Hope Initiative, which is what we established for him. And it came out of a place of, we're going to school meetings and they're like, what's Nicholas going to do in the future? I'm like, I don't know what he's going to do. That's why he's in school. Help me figure it out. But they couldn't help me figure it out. So I had to go to the Holy Spirit. And he's like, you have been saying there is hope on this journey. So how about your own child? And so that's how the Next Hope Initiative is. And by God's grace, my daughter sent us says, you know what? We're going to help. I'm going to help him to establish it. We're going to hire people. We're going to do this. So I'm excited for his future. And there's more of that to come. And that's one of the initiatives out of the many that God is allowing me to birth. We started my goal, which is the parent company of all this stuff. So my goal is an acronym for my gateway to overcoming autism in life. And my gateway is Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. My gateway is knowing that I need resources in order to help my child. My gateway is knowing that I need education to get to where I need to go to. So that is the gateway. And we then began to say, okay, let's connect with parents, connect to other people. Along the journey, God just started to kind of bring different concepts together. So that's just kind of how our life has evolved. And that is the video you are alluding to on our website, which people are like, that's one of the many videos that we've done to show the story of where Nicholas is going through. When God gives you a vision or an idea, he never shows you the whole picture. Mm-mm. It's just little by little, you know. Because if he showed it to you, you'll never start because you'll get overwhelmed thinking, how the heck am I going to make this work? Right. But you just, like you said earlier, just be obedient to the voice. Yeah. And the little steps that you're taking is just opening more doors and all the ideas coming in. Until you take that step, you would never see what God wants you to see. Well, when we're leading prayers, I was reading Colossians, I think it was 26 or so. It talked about how there are mysteries that God is revealing to us. And that was Paul writing. And I was like, if we are not in that sacred place, if we are not in God, if we are not pushing in prayer, he's never going to show us no mysteries. So until you sit still and listen and also be obedient, he'll keep showing you the different things that he needs to get to you. He needs to show you. How do the kids and your husband, how do they feel about it? How did they feel about it in the beginning? And how have they been able to accept this journey? I do a program called the Empowerment Moment with Dr. G on social media once a month. One of the ones that I did was really having my children, Sena and Dalali, talk about their journey. And I think that one conversation was so telling because Sena talked about how Nicholas was her best friend and had been there and she knew life from when he was neurotypical and things were great. And she almost lost her voice while she was in high school and seeing her brother struggle. But she's very, very close to him. I mean, my kids are so close to each other. And so she shared that part. And then Dalali just said, you know, the younger one says, all I've known is autism. Mm. I was born into it. It was so telling because she was born into our lifestyle being so different, where we are more conscious about what everybody eats and things like that. That's what she grew up into. And they accept that their brother is different from others, but their brother is not any worse off because he may be processing things different. We're all different people. We're all different individuals, but it's just that he needs more services and support. Mm -hmm. And so that's their vision. My husband is crazy about Nicholas, and we all realize that we are incredibly blessed because of what we have to do and how we have to be creative. I think that's made us extremely creative people. Because we have to realize that things can be the way everybody approaches it. So therefore, every time we face a problem, we look at it like, how can I make it work? That's our mindset. Now, did we get here overnight? No. Mm. Each one of us have to mourn the brother, the son that we thought was going to be. 
and embrace the one that we have, who we have now and the blessing that he is to us. Whatever gift God gives you, it's not just for you. It's for other people. We're all connected together and so grateful to God that he gave you that. Whatever child that you have, you need to know who that child is to be able to know where to direct them. Like you said, taking them to school, what's Nicholas going to be? <laughs> I don't know. But your kid comes to you and they're like, I don't want to go to school. Ask them questions, sit with them, have conversations with them to know what it is that they want in life. Because sometimes you might be wasting money sending them to school, university, and that's not what they want to be. They just want to do music and it's probably direct them that path. They just want to do sports and direct them that path. Just show them what this life is about, the meaning of life, understanding what this life is about, and then being able to direct their path so that they're going in the right direction. So for Nicholas, it's like, okay, this is where you are. So let's build you in that area. And he's been a blessing to other people because seeing him do what he does, there's so many other kids that have not been able to come to that point to be able to do what he's doing now. And so well done to you. Well done to the family for the amazing job that you guys are doing. What advice would you give to a family or people out there that have kids with special needs that are struggling? They don't even know what to do. Sometimes you see that some families will just put them at the background. They're not really part of anything that they do. What advice do you have for them? I will advise that know that God loves you. And the journey you're going through is not the easiest. We will not sugarcoat it and make it seem like it's easy. It's not the easiest. But realize that there are a whole host of members of people out there who love and care about these individuals. And you just need to connect to those people. A lot of times our own family members may never understand and provide the support that we're looking for only because they don't know what to do. And when people don't know what to do, most of the time they shun you because they don't know what to say. Have you ever seen someone who has lost their loved one? People just start calling or being around them because they don't know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> so because they don't know what to say and then they feel weird about it. Sometimes our nuclear family or people, our center family that we expect to support us are not supporting us. Rather than letting that pull you down, know that there are community out there that will support you, that will encourage you. I found a church that was a blessing to me, and they've been a huge source of support. I have friends and family members. I call them family, brothers and sisters, truly within the church body, because they've been God has used them to be a blessing to me. So what I'm saying is that know that God cares about you, and you need to be connected into a community. You're not on an island. Don't let the fact that your child may deal with things differently keep you away from being engaged and being connected. Because that's what a lot of time people feel like. We started our organization, Michael, basically we wanted to say that we exist to support families by restoring hope and restoring families. Hope is always dashed when the heart is sick. The heart is sick because we're disappointed. But God restores that hope. And he does that through people. And you have to be connected with people. Find that community that will embrace your child. Find that teacher that will speak kindly about your child and ask them more about how you can better get supported. If you're suffering from depression or sadness, please don't suffer in isolation. It's important to get support. It's important for somebody to help you through it because you need to be whole to take care of your loved one. And remember, name your feeling. Name and identify how the emotion you're having. You may feel depressed. Say, you know what? I'm feeling down. I'm feeling depressed. Because when you name it, you claim your victory over it. Until you identify what your issue is, you're not going to be able to get your victory over it. That is one of the key things that I say to people is that I always like to identify what the emotion I'm feeling at that moment. And the moment I name it and I vocalize it, that's where the breakthrough comes. And so that will be one of the key things that I'll tell people is name it, Claiming your victory in that regard, and you'll see you come onto the other side of hope. What of people that are outside? So here's a family that have a child with a special need, and we are like outsiders. We don't even know how to relate to those people. How can we better relate to those people and communicate with and be a source of help instead of, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Let me just back off. Exactly what you just said. Ask them, mm. how can I be a source of help to you? Ask. That's it. Sometimes somebody just saying, how's Nick? That's all they needed to do. I may say there's nothing you can do for me right now. But when you say, I'm here for you whenever you need me, you can say that. If you ever need me to pick up a bag of groceries for you because I'm on my way to the store, I'm happy to do that. Maybe you're going shop right. You're going to the store and you know they need to eat. 
maybe what you need to do is say to them, I'm in the middle of going to the store. And is there anything I can pick up for you while I'm there? You may have saved that family a trip to the store. Yeah. So it's crucial that you just do the everyday stuff for them. And that in itself is a blessing. Before I was going to say my last question was to talk more on my goal. But before that, did you guys have to go for therapy at some point just so that you guys are mentally okay? So I didn't have to go for therapy because I ran my support group and that became therapy for me. Okay. I think therapy is exactly what it is. Talking. Yeah. If you think about it, when you go to see a therapist, what are you doing? Aren't you just talking? (laughs) Yeah. You're talking and you're naming what's going on with you. That's why I said what I said. You're expressing your frustration. You're expressing your anger. You're expressing your disappointment. That was one piece of it. So for me, therapy was having my support group. Once a month, we used to host a family support group. We'd come together and we'd share and we'd talk. And that was therapy. Number two, the power of prayer. I'm involved in my church and I join my prayer ministry and I lead prayers. So for me, that was huge because it is a place of breakthrough. So I say to people, you need both. And if you are someone who's not able to press through like that, engage people who will pray for you. I have a whole prayer team that prays for my goal and the family. Oh, great. We pray every Monday. Every Monday we do fasting and prayer and we are praying. And I think the combination of talking it out, praying, sharing, getting educated has been the source of my breakthrough. That's good. So tell us more on my goal. I know you've touched a little bit about it. How can we support or anyone out there that's listening support? Well, thank you for that question. So my goal is a mission that God gave me. He said in John chapter 15, verse 16, you did not choose me. I chose you that you may go and bear fruit, much fruit. I didn't choose autism. Autism chose me. Therefore, I go forth and I share that there is hope and restoration. And that's what my goal is this to do. And then the other thing God tells me as my mandate is that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to spread the good news. The good news is that Jesus saves. That is what we do. But I realized that Jesus didn't come to just say, okay, I'm just going to come and die for you. He did that. But while he was here on earth, he showed compassion. He fed the poor. So we provide resources to families, tangible resources. So you don't have to be a Christian to benefit from us, but we're a Christian-based organization that meets the needs, tangible needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs by providing it all in all ways. We're a 501c3 organization. So basically, I leverage the government's opportunities mm-hmm. for people to donate money to the organization and get tax credit for it. Listen, I'm an equal opportunity. Give me the resource and I will give it to families. So our goal here is that we receive the resources and we give our grants. We give our financial grants to family. We've given out over $100,000 in the continental United States alone over that past few period. My grant application just ended on April 30th for this year. My team of 10 reviewers are going to sit down and review. Over 200 applications came through, but we have an algorithm that allows us to review the top 50. Mm-hmm. That top 50 will be reviewed. Our plan is to give out $20,000 this year to these families across the country. Beyond that, we also have a program in Ghana, West Africa called Haven International. We actually have a school and we are doing vocational training and from the age of two and a half all the way to older. And our goal vision there is to support these children in their growth and development. Application of what we do here in the U.S. for my child, I apply it to Ghana as well. And then the whole idea there is also just to raise awareness about that your child is a blessing from God and not a curse like you said earlier. So that's one of the things that we do. So as an organization, we exist to support individuals facing autism and other intellectual disabilities throughout their lifespan. So we do this well, and we do it well because I'm committed to making sure the message of hope gets out to people. So people want to support us, they can check us out. We just even changed our URL now, we're Mm mygoalinc.org. If you go to mygoalautism.org, it'll still point you back to mygoalinc. Because we realized that we were helping families beyond just the autism spectrum. And so we wanted to make sure that people understood that it's not just autism for you to be relevant to what we offer. So mygolink.org is where we can find us at. And we're a blessing because God has caused us to be a blessing. Well done to you guys. Congratulations to all that you've been doing. Well, to God be the glory. People who have joined us on the support. So, hey, we receive support from so many people and we covet people's prayers. We covet their financial support. 
with COVID being present to some of the activities that we do. Hopefully, once COVID is over, we're going to defrost. I'm saying right now, we're all thawing. <laughs> yeah. From COVID. <laughs> right. <laughs> we are. <laughs> we're thawing from COVID. We're emerging like Noah's Ark. Well, like, uh-uh, is it time to come out <laughs> of this time arc? to come out? That's so true. Right? And so time to come out. It's like the little dove went around. And it's like, okay, there's still water on the land. <laughs> is it time to come out? No one looked out. It's like, okay, it's time to come out. <laughs> We're going to come out of that and do more for families. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. I've personally learned a lot already and stuff that I need to get done for myself as well and for Barabrica's Corner. I've really learned already just listening to you. And so grateful for you coming on here. I really do appreciate you taking time out to do this. I don't take it for granted. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me over. And God bless the work you're doing and using this platform to really help people to know that they can break barriers. There's no ceiling there. The sky's the limit. And so God bless you. And I just release God's blessing on this ministry because it is a ministry that God is using. And the Lord says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. You can't even begin to comprehend the voices of truth that will come through here that will allow barriers to be broken permanently. And the Lord will strengthen you and the Lord will release resources. Heaven's resources are being downloaded onto you and to the team that is going to edit. And I declare that anyone that listens to this, your voice will hear the voice of truth coming from you. And it is the Holy Spirit that is inspiring you to do what you're doing. And the Lord, Holy Spirit said, just continue to be obedient. So the things that may even sound crazy, a thought may come into your mind and you're like, huh, where is that going to go? The Lord said, just follow that still small voice. And as you do it, more doors will be open for you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You're not going to get me teary. <laughs> Amen to all your prayers. Thank you so much. Thank you. I already know I'm a crybaby. So <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. No, no, no. It's just a voice of obedience. I mean, you're just honoring God. And just God says, you know, let me just tell you this. He said, it honors him that you're honoring him. It honors, you know, God is going to download so much to you. The favors that are coming behind you, you can't even begin to comprehend it. The favors and what I'm seeing is doors that are flinging open. And it is really about destiny that is being established through you and the legacies that are being created through your work. And you're going to see the fruits of your, what, of your labor be manifested. It's almost like you throw a pebble in the water. I see a pebble being thrown into the sea and the reverberation of that pebble and where it's reaching is going to go so far and wide that you would not even begin to realize that you threw it in the middle in that side. But then the effect of it is on so places so far beyond what you can even envision or imagine. It's because of obedience to what you're doing in this season. And the Lord is saying that there may be people that are hearing what you're saying who are going to connect to you. In the moment of doubt, when you're questioning whether you're supposed to have done this and how am I going to keep doing it? God is saying that he is going to cause a voice to come to you that said, yes, my beloved daughter, you're doing exactly what I've called you to. And you're saying that God, but I'm doing so many things. How am I going to fit them all in? And God says in the parable of the talent, he gave five and some he gave two. He said, I've given you five. And he said, because of the five, as long as you use the five that I've given you a hundred food, it will grow. And he's saying that there's a season and a time for everything. There's some programs and projects that he's going to cause you to do in that season. You'll complete one season before you even the one season is over. The Lord will bring four more ideas to you to do to the next season. And you're wondering, God, where am I supposed to start this all? The Lord says there'll be a time and a season for that activity. And as you listen to him, he'll cause the resources to kind of flow into that activity. And that's how you know how to do it. And he says he's going to send you destiny helpers. He's going to design and intentionally bring people into your life who are going to take that idea that you have and they're going to carry forth that idea. So not every idea you're going to be the one to implement. That some ideas that he's going to cause others to now birth it so that you are just a tool. You are just a vessel in which he passed that idea through. And that will be part of your destiny. And that will be part of your legacy. Many will come to know you and say, my God, that's the woman that started when she was young. And hear and see what she's doing. I see enterprises. I see programs. I see ideas that are just germinating into that place of incubation. And you're going to see birth out. And God will be glorified because of it in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. All right. I don't know where that got started, but it's all good. <laughs> I mean, it's just confirmation for me because I was sharing the video on Instagram and I was saying that the month of April was like a struggle for me. Not that I didn't have anything. I was just not feeling like, and I was sharing that when God gives you something, it's not by feeling that you do it. Don't do something just because of feeling, because sometimes you might be down and sad and you feel like, oh, I can't do this. Let me just rest. But sometimes if you know you're in so much pain, you know, rest. But there are other times that it's just feeling, feeling. So just get out of it and just keep moving. And I wanted to move this season three to like October when I was doing my season four. And I was like, you know what? I don't know. I don't feel like doing it, but I'm going to still push forward. So a few days ago, I was just planning on sitting down and then God just started dropping ideas. And I was saying to myself, so if I had pushed season three forward and say, hey, October, we'll do season three, then I wouldn't get this idea now. But the fact that I just still push through. So what you are saying is that by the time one season will end, so four more ideas will come. That was God downloading to me like a few days ago. Ideas for like next season. I'm like, how am I going to do that? But it's like straight in my mind, if I was not obedient to doing season three now and saying because I'm tired, I don't feel like doing it. I wouldn't get this idea now. So I really do appreciate you saying all this today. And I'm moved by the spirit and I'm so grateful for that. And that's why it's still on record. <laughs> I'm going to say for that. In the future, I can still remember and just know that, God, you directed me. And I was just being obedient to what you said and knowing that this is just going to be a wonderful thing at the end of the day. So grateful for that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. It was such a lovely conversation. I can't believe how quick time went. went. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Barrier Breakers Corner podcast. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, share with those you think can benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments to the Podcast at gmail.com. The Barrier Breakers Corner Podcast is produced by the Podcast Laundry Production Company and executive produced by... Joyce Donkor. The podcast music was written by Chidi Omenihu and produced by Andy Official in Vegandia, West Africa. Cause they can't